Hello everyone and welcome back to part two of this week's episode. So live streams, let's talk about them. So in the first part of the of the episode, we talked specifically about our experience in live streams, what we've done over the past however many years we've been operating in live streams now, some of the things that we've learned and what's worked well so far. In this podcast specifically, in this part of the episode, what I want us to talk about, Al, is going over what's going on in China, specifically with live commerce. Reason being is that they are miles ahead <laughs> of where we're at in the Western market. So first of all, I want to touch on recapping on where we're at. Then I want to talk about exactly what's going on in China right now. After that, I want to talk about why they're like that, because there's a reason why they're miles ahead, surely. Um, and it's something I, th- I think we can dig into. And the last bit is just where would we place our bets for the future of the Western market in live commerce? Does that sound good? Should we talk about that? Yep. Excellent. Brilliant. Okay. <laughs> so Western lives, recapping where we're at. So like I said, we've already talked about a lot of the things that we've done in terms of learning how to maintain attention on live streams, gamifying live streams, being able to pick winners in real time, things like that that make it feel like there is an impact that users can have on a stream, which gives them a reason to stay, or that there is at least an incentive for them to want to stay, that they might win whatever the incentive is. Those cases that we talked about there were all live streams where it's all engagement-based. The main thing that we wanted to get from those live streams was viewership, comments, engagement. What we're seeing now, especially on TikTok, and Instagram are trying to catch up, but it's mainly on TikTok where we're seeing a lot of a lot of marching power on this, is there is a lot of emphasis now around live commerce, which is the ability to be able to shop products or purchase products, should I say, whilst watching a live stream. And we're actually seeing the platform themselves push this. We're seeing brands start to try this. We've, we've done a couple of these ourselves. Um, we're also seeing creators start to roll out their own live streams where they'll have a batch of products or you know from from one brand or various brands and they'll find a way to entertain their audience or inform their audience about these products and hope that they will also sell some of them during the live stream through the actual live stream itself that's more or less where we're up to in the western market but what i want to do now is talk specifically about china because in comparison to where we're at china are just miles and miles and miles ahead should we talk about where China's at, first of all, and what, what their market looks like right now? Yeah, yeah. So um, I think when you compare the two, as you'd mentioned, where we're at with lives at the moment is almost like some sort of blend of QVC or mm-hmm. like TV shopping where people are directly selling stuff to you in a way that's interesting. Often it's relies on discounts to encourage people to purchase as well. Mm-hmm. With the difference being someone can overcome obstacles to purchase by answering consumer queries in the chat by just keeping an eye on the chat and that kind of keeps things engaging whereas i think the main reason that we're behind i think is just because people aren't used to shopping in that way yet or that there's not a level of trust there yet Mm -hmm. um it still feels very new where QVC maybe just by the fact that it was on TV and felt glossy and had Mm. big hosts and things maybe people had an inherent trust of that but with TikTok it often almost almost feels more like you're going down a kind of London market and there's people sort of selling Mm. odds and ends to you at odd prices that you kind of like I don't really understand if this is legit like is is it real like should I buy it is is my money just going to disappear like I feel like a lot of users have this question at the moment whereas China and I think we're going to come on to talk about why they're more 
familiar or trust this way of shopping more. But China just has been doing this form of shopping for a much, much longer period of time um, where they've got their own influencers that are famous specifically for these live streams. They'll have tens of millions. Some of the most followed have, you know, 95.6 million followers uh, on a video app called Kweishu. I probably pronounced that wrong. But a huge, huge number of followers that are tuning in specifically just to see this person talk about products and mm-hmm. um, see what kinds of offers that they get on those products. Um, and they've also built huge companies underneath themselves, specifically around um, finding new products to talk about in the live streams, developing products that they can talk about and sell um, and doing business to business partnerships with the streamers. So it's something that has like a much stronger foundation in China versus the West and Definitely. it's just much more developed. They've also been doing it for a, a quite a long, well, I'd say quite a long time, comparatively longer in the, I think, um, looking at the, the research that I've gone gone into, they, especially over the last five years, have been um, pushing live commerce quite a lot. Um, I think their two main, you know, dominating platforms that they would operate across would be Taobao and Daoin, uh, which is how they pronounce it over there, I believe. And what's interesting is that they were actually originally, before live commerce was a thing on those platforms, were two very different platforms altogether. Um, so Taobao was actually originally an e-com website um, owned by Alibaba. Um, so you, I guess you could liken it to something like Amazon, for example. Whereas Douyin, or Douyin, sorry, is TikTok's sister brand that originate, uh, originally was a an entertainment platform who have since integrated the, the commerce function. And so what's interesting is if you try and liken that to where we're at, you might see, and I think you already have started to see platforms like Amazon try mm-hmm. integrating live entertainment um, features into their already established e-commerce ecosystem. And what we're seeing now is that TikTok over here are trying to replicate what they've managed to do so well in China, which is integrate live shopping into what is already a very well-established entertainment platform. Um, so those are the two that have been dominating for quite a while. Um, like I said, they have been doing so for the last five years. And I was actually watching an interview with a lady called Bonnie Zhao, who is the head of Taobao's live product. And she actually said something that was reminded me of what we start to see in the UK. Like you said there, Al, in that when we've run live streams with live commerce or when any brand or creators run live streams with live commerce, the first impression that they're getting is, you know, do I trust this? Uh, is my money just going to disappear? Um, there's a lot of friction at first when people are coming across these live commerce, uh, well, these live streams that have got commerce features. Bonnie, who is the head of Taobao Live Product, said that the exact same thing happened in China five years ago mm. and that when they first started to roll this out, they started to see a lot of resistance. Um, it was the first time a lot of these users had experienced this way of shopping. So the merchants and any any creators over there who were starting to roll out these live streams for them found it difficult to get any initial traction. She mentioned that a lot of um, those that did start to see traction were the people who stuck with it. Um, and so the people who almost trained, trained a way of shopping, a new way of shopping, and were consistent with that were the ones who saw the initial traction and saw the initial uplift. To a point now where, just to go into some numbers for you, at the end of 2020, in China, in that year alone, 600 million people were recorded to be watching live streams, and 400 million of those 600 million were live stream shoppers, which meant, in this definition, they have shopped at least once during a live stream, which, comparative to the UK, is astronomical numbers. So just to go into the numbers of revenue as well in GMV, which is gross merchandise value, in China in 2017, when this first started to get rolled out, um, 3 billion was the number that they achieved in GMV. The following year was 22 billion. 
2019, that increased to 67 billion. In 2020, that increased to 171 billion to the point where now for 2022, their prediction that they they want to achieve in China for live e-commerce, um, GMV alone, is 420 billion. And so clearly for China, this has been one of the biggest and, and, and fastest growing um, forms of commerce that they've seen in recent years. The next thing I wanted to talk about was how that's evolved over time. One thing that we're seeing over in the UK uh, specifically and US is that a lot of brands are, the, are the, being the first people to trial this. There are creators who are trialing this who have been granted permission to sell products on behalf of brands. Um, but it is a lot of brands who are leading the live streams and who are producing these first is what we're seeing. Do you know what that looks like in China? So as far as I'm aware, there is are multiple top players that are personalities, like as I mentioned before, known specifically for live streaming. And one of the ones that I wanted to mention was Jin Yaoshi, uh, who's a top live streamer with, he's the guy with 95.6 million followers on, on Kweishu. And he's also the person that has built this company underneath him called the Jinchuan Group that has a staff of 1,400 people. And he's hoping to one day have uh, a thousand of his own product designers. He's not the only one. There's another internet celebrity that's 29 years old called Austin Lee. He rose to fame by selling a lipstick and set a mm. record month. I think it was in September of last year by selling the equivalent of $1.8 billion uh, worth of merchandise during a 12.5 hour live streaming session. So that's the other thing that's interesting is that they'll do marathon live sessions that will last mm. the entire day whereas here i think we're used to like one to two hours maybe we'll like hop on and yeah. off china the the live streamers over there almost they'll almost operate like a tv channel in the sense that you'll be able to tune in at any point during your normal mm. day and see them uh selling yeah. products so they're working hard um on selling these products whereas yeah, over here I have heard there is there are a few creators that are generating significant revenue. Like we're talking about hundreds of thousands of pounds in hours, mm. and that's in the UK, like in the West as well. Mm -hmm. So there are creators that are taking advantage of it. And brands wise, I think people like I saw it first. I know do it very consistently yep. um, on a on a weekly basis with their host uh, Lottie, and they're doing a really good job. I feel of gaining the trust of the viewers making it feel familiar that people are shopping in that way. Um, they frequently sell out dresses um, through their live streams. So I think as an example to look at, like they're a really good one in the sense of how these live streams should look and run and mm -hmm. um, the results that you can drive from that as well. In terms of China and brands, I don't know. And you can maybe... To be fair, you've touched on it quite there. well because the answer is creators are leading the way, but both creators and brands have a very big both equally have a big presence it is creators that are leading the way over there though um one of the biggest things in that almost what we saw with tiktok where once tiktok was launched as a platform and the first movers there who understood the platform quicker than anyone else were the first ones to create good content on there which meant that they were also ones to get the most notoriety build up followings and all of a sudden you've got this new roster of a-list influencers if you will you know the likes of charlie d'amelio addison ray who prior to TikTok were relatively unknown, if not completely unknown. And then come the dawn of TikTok, they understood it very, very quickly, created content that played right into their strengths and what their audience wanted to see. Now they're some of the biggest influencers on the planet. 
what happened in China is that that similar effect happened, but come the dawn of live commerce in that when it became clear that there was an appetite for live commerce and that people not only wanted were happy to see it from brands, but really actually craved seeing it from creators that they trusted and could see themselves in, which is an important one. There was a handful of creators that took that into their own hands and decided to absolutely own live commerce from creators and become this new batch of mega famous creators over in China. So you've mentioned a couple there like Austin Lee Jachi. One of the well, the biggest over there that I'm aware of is Via. So Via is has done some of the like I, I, you could class them as world records. I'd need to double check them, but some of them must be. For example, she sold Teslas on live commerce streams. At one point sold a uh, a seat on a rocket launch for 40 million yen. Seriously, like she is some of the stuff that she's been able to do is outlandish and that's basically just from the fact that they saw this opportunity a handful of them and decided to completely run with where live commerce is going especially from a creator standpoint they are obviously now mega famous within their own right and also because of how the structures over there work with how creators earn fees a lot of them will actually work on a commission structure where it's then at no detriment to the brand if it's if you don't sell anything you don't get paid if you do sell a lot then you'll get paid a lot and so for these specifically talented people who have really understood the the craft on how to create an entertaining live stream that also gets people to purchase, they're becoming mega famous and mega rich over the course of a few years because they were the first movers. That said, brands still have a massive place over there as well. Not as big as creators, but a big place. One of the big examples that I saw, which I actually found quite surprising considering that they, they haven't, from what I've seen, made much of a push in it over in Western markets, was P&G. So mm-hmm. PNG are one of the most prevalent streamers over in China. They stream every single day, every single day, and have plowed hundreds of thousands of well, equivalent pounds, I, I could say, into building live studio spaces to make sure that they've got decent quality production. No, it's good quality, high quality production, so I say, in live streams for live commerce that are going out every single day. So as an overview, what we've talked about there is probably quite a, a brief description of where China's at, but it should give you a key should give you the insight into the key into the key things that are going on over there, um, especially when you're drawing comparisons against where the Western market is in that it feels like we're at the start of that five-year journey that China went on. It feels like there's big opportunity for those who might take place bets on creators or place early bets into investing into their own live studios as brands, for example. It's also an available opportunity to those who can see that there is an opportunity and commit to consistency like what they saw over there in Taobao, like uh, Bonnie Zhao said, in that it was those who were almost instrumental in the behavior change of users. They're the ones who got the traction and saw the initial success. The question I wanted to ask you, Al, because I know you're more well-versed on this than I am, is why are China so far ahead in this respect? From my understanding, um, because China is a communist country, they have a much more controlled version of the internet that is that basically blocks specific websites specific information i feel like everyone at this point is quite familiar with the fact that social networks exist in their own sort of bubble there they'll have different social networks such as wechat uh Douyin, as you mentioned taobao red all these different platforms that we don't have in the west and it's mm. because they want to own like china want effectively their own version of everything and it helps control spread of information things mm. like that and yeah, the entire internet has, has developed with this idea that information needs to be controlled. Whereas 
the West has always been about freedom of information. So all the platforms that we've made are often about peer-to-peer information sharing that doesn't really have anything to do with the, the government. So our internet has grown up and matured to be a kind of a environment that promotes information sharing and that and the transaction of that information. So like YouTube and sites like Facebook, sites like Wikipedia, all these different things, all these different information sharing websites. Whereas in China, because you couldn't really do that without the the watchful eyes of the government over you, it was better to produce platforms that focused on things like gaming, entertainment or gambling and things like this that you could use the internet for that didn't involve information sharing but engaged users and created and generated revenue out of the platforms. So in terms of how their internet's developed, it's much more centered around things like gaming, entertainment, um, and general sort of gambling and entertainment and those kinds of things. That's why there's such a, a big difference. And that's why if you've if you've ever sort of seen some of the platforms that, that exist over there, they're way more visually stimulating. There's a lot more going on. Mm. There's a lot more sort of emojis flying around the screen. We're kind of going that way. Like you saw it introduced with things like lives and you can see the hearts going up the screen. Mm. That's like really, really common uh, over there. And there's, there's, there's much more kind of engaging imagery popping up all over the place. So you can't really look at the internet in the same way. It's almost like they're culturally extremely different, but they're the same right. thing. And they've, ju- they've just grown up in different, in different cultures. And so, yeah, things like live streaming, things like e-commerce, Chinese people are much more trusting of those platforms mm. and are much happier to spend money and exchange goods over those kinds of platforms as we are right now. Just because it's been integrated into the way that they've operated online for such a long time anyway, because yeah, of what yeah. their internet was centered around. Yes. Right, yeah. that makes sense. I find it interesting now that you raise that, that I guess, yes, what your culture or what your government, I guess in this specific case with China, centers your internet around or allows you to talk about might change the path on how you get somewhere, but ultimately like the behaviors that we're seeing in the Western in the UK, uh, sorry, in the Western in China are quite similar in that the type of content that they're engaging with matches what we're engaging with over here. Mm. What they've seen over there develop with lives has already happened over here and now what's happening with live commerce is now happening over here. The same that they already were miles ahead of with gaming is what's now happening over here uh, as well. I just find it interesting that, may, yes, you could, there's different routes, but maybe in humans there's like a hardwired endpoint where there, there is like an answer to like, oh, this is just the more engaging format for people that they will eventually go to. Yeah, um, I'm sure if, if governments had controlled our internet, they would be exactly the same. Yeah, it's interesting. Now, the final thing I wanted to talk about is, obviously, we've talked quite a lot about, first of all, where Western Market is with their live commerce features and offerings. We're still in quite early days. Um, we're seeing some good examples, like you mentioned with I Saw It First, who are making that commitment and seeing some success already, um, versus in China, where they're you know five years ahead. You can see quite clearly the difference because of those five years, um, in that there's a lot of creators who are benefiting from the new fame that they've got there's a lot of brands that are benefiting from building out their studios um but they are quite ahead in that in that regard um like i said there though there is a good chance it looks like you know like we have with everything else that we will also end up a culture that enjoys live commerce as well we're already seeing evidence of that with that being the case or with that being the assumption if you could place any bets or if you if, if it was your brand where would you place your bets on live commerce i was thinking about this when you just asked me just before the podcast and i think my personal opinion is 
just looking at the evolution of advertising in general and it going from information coming from brands to then being about problem solution for the consumer to then being about brands are less involved and now it's like consumer to consumer Mm. and that's sort of where we are today the evolution of it going to sort of you purchase directly from the con- a, a consumer like you doesn't seem to be that much of a stretch. Mm. And I think it's just a matter of who are the brands that are going to pioneer just doing this on a repeat basis and train us to trust that form of mm. um, buying things. Because, well, so when Amazon was first introduced, people were really skeptical of buying a book on the internet because it just felt really weird. Mm. And because you're not doing what you used to do where you would, well, you'd either ring someone and order something and that's how you'd, you'd get like mail order. Yeah, yeah. Or you would go to the physical s- store and pick something up and give them money. Yeah. But then this idea that you like looked at something on a screen that looked really a bit dodgy and a bit yeah. like cobbled together and you buy something and just kind of cross your fingers that it turns up at your door. It almost feels like that, like very early stages where people are very unfamiliar Mm. not a lot of people have done it you're almost like a on the first responder or whatever it's called bit of the bell curve of Mm. the the sort of um purchase behavior yeah yeah the adoption curve thing you're kind of a first mover if you're one of the people that's buying products through through tiktok from someone that you don't know Mm. but i think over time like people will become more and more used to this idea that if they do buy something it will turn up and it it will be what you've bought and i think that there are very significant discounts on a lot of these products so it's almost worth a test and i think once people get into this pattern where they don't feel like they're purchasing directly from a brand and they're just purchasing from someone that they've over time grown to like yeah. ideally like these uh, the bigger guys in china I can't see why it couldn't be as big of an industry as it is in China, which is like a, it's in the hundreds of billions mm. in terms of its market value, uh, live e-commerce specifically. So yeah, the I think the trick is at the moment trying to keep, because the way that you make money, like you've said, is a, by a percentage of the value of the product. The GMB, so you yeah. make commission on the GMV, yeah. And a lot of the time, as I've mentioned, at this stage, I don't think anyone's going to be buying really high ticket price items no. through a live stream from strangers. So it will be little things that you're willing to take the gamble on, like a few quid on oftentimes cosmetics. Um, that seems to be one of the categories that does really, really well. And I think the trick is for people that are, that want to get into it is to keep the cost of running the actual live streams themselves down enough to a point where you can still make a little bit of money and it's not just that you're kind of breaking even yeah you're for the the sake of educating people yeah yeah for the sake of educating people yeah you could be like a a martyr and like (laughs) yeah be one of the ones who starts to turn everyone into people that shop via live streams and not and and at least break even but i think if you're a big brand i don't think the point of this is to like spend loads of money on live streaming gear and make it as fancy as possible i think it's more about uh, creating something very, very engaging in a way that is extremely cost-effective mm-hmm. to the point where you can sell enough products at a discount and still make enough of a margin yeah. to yeah, actually live. And the idea there is, like like you say, it's consistency. In order to educate people on a new way of 
operating or you know anything like that it's it all comes with consistency of trust and of the same message and for a brand to do that in a way that makes sense for them it's got to make commercial sense as well hasn't it so yeah i agree with that idea of maybe not investing into the world's best like you know live production gear that you'd expect on any like live tv production uh, sets or anything like that it's more about what do what would your core audience expect as a good engaging piece of content can you afford to do that on a regular basis? And does that make commercial sense once you've done one? Because mm. you you will also realize that over time, those commercials will obviously improve um, as you start to train your audience. And scale your audience. Because that's, that's the other thing. Right, it's yeah. like, it's almost infinitely, well, capped by, by the number of users on mm. TikTok, it, which is a lot. <laughs> so once you've trained that audience and you've scaled your audience, you're doing the same thing. It's almost like you would run running a YouTube account and mm. making ad revenue. You upload the same video and one will get 10 million views and one will get 10 views. Mm. You've, you've put the same amount of work in initially, but the output is Scaled. wildly different. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of potential in it as well. Yeah. Uh, the final thing that I would say is you touched on before about um, how marketing's gone from one one directional brand to consumer messaging to um, now more of a yes, brands can like give a message, but even then they're more reliant now on what the response is from the consumers, and the consumers can um, converse between themselves about what their opinion is on this given message. One thing that would be worth looking at as a bet that I would place is finding those creators that your audience relate to. If if it's coming from a brand perspective, that is, find the creators that your audience relate to and can trust already. Get them to make your live streams or get them to be the face of your live streams or partner with them or anything like that where you're putting you're putting the relationship into a creator to the consumer because it almost gives you like someone in between the brand and the consumer like it's not a it's not as much as a of a cold relationship if that makes mm. sense between a brand and a consumer if you're putting in front of the brand a, a creator that the audience already trusts to make that selling message it will be an easier conversation to have through a live stream. So maybe partnering with creators, um, or a creator or multiple creators to host or operate these live streams for you um, would be somewhere that I'd place my bets as well. So as a final note that I wanted to talk about, this might be one for uh, quite a few takeaways, but say, for example, I wanted to launch a live stream tomorrow with commerce uh, capabilities within it. How would I make sure that people who land on my stream want to stay? How would I then make sure that they continue to stay? How would I get them to purchase? So from what we're seeing at the moment, I think you can, or at least what we've seen in, in China as well, some of the best live streams that are out there, it's more about developing a relationship with your viewers. So if there are people that are coming back, um, what those guys will do is they'll remember things like their names mm. and they'll remember their preferences and they'll remember the kinds of things that they ask and they genuinely do develop a relationship with all these different people mm. sometimes if it gets like a really big stream they'll have people that are helping them remember what all of these people do yeah. and like and who they are and how often they visit and last time they saw them and all these kinds of things and outside of doing things like that it is just showing people um, and talking people through your products in a really authentic way. So people that are used to working on, I mentioned at the start that what it feels like right now is someone going through almost like a London market. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it is kind of like that in the sense that you do need to be that kind of fast talking, attention grabbing um, salesperson to be able to keep people engaged for a long period of time and actually sell this product to them. So having a great host is really, really important or learning if you are the host, just learning about what 
keeps people engaged you can watch either tv salespeople and the kind of things that they do or how they sell and then the next part would be building yourself well a building makes it sound more expensive but just shooting it somewhere that looks kind of nice mm. some people use things like uh, leds and hue lights and things like that to make their scenery like purple or more interesting or mm-hmm. more engaging so finding a cost-effective way to create a nice set for yourself it can be a bedroom or it can be a studio uh, there's people that will do it with clothes rails behind them and just run through them and then really paying attention to the to the comments and not just running it like it's a, a video. Like, do involve your audience in everything. Yeah. Um, make sure you're answering all the, the questions and comments that they've got. Make sure you tell them and walk them through what would happen when they hit the purchase button because it's not something they've done before. Mm. So talking people through what the purchase process looks like, um, how they do that, can be a really effective way to do things. Mm. And... Also, talking to people about what kinds of offers or bundles there are. Like, uh, I think a lot of the best techniques will come from um, older places. Like, if you look at things like really great salespeople on market stalls, yeah. or if you look at really great like, TV salespeople, you can take a lot of inspiration from them. Mm. And the the only reason that they're probably not earning, you know, hundreds of thousands of live stream today is just because their audience, instead of being a potential hundred thousand people or a million people could only fit you know 20 people yeah, in yeah. front of a store That's or whatever but stick those same people in front of on a camera it. on yeah, tiktok yeah. and they've probably got the opportunity to uh, sell those same products to thousands of people so mm. that's a really interesting one because they know how to keep people it, yeah. engaged and you know things like that so that would be my advice if you wanted to start today would you have anything to add only a couple and i feel like you've gone over like the really core ones, like the things that you need to know, like, uh, well, the ones that are come with, I guess, studying live streams. I've got a couple that are more just based on what people are like on the platform. So, for example, one of the things that we always try and do with any TikTok live stream is make it absolutely clear at any given point what your live stream is about, i.e. through adding, like, obviously through third-party software that you can now do through when you're producing a live stream on TikTok, you can use third-party software. Overlay a graphic like a ticker tape style sort of oh, yeah. thing that is explaining what the live stream's about or what it's doing. Because you've got to imagine, just because you started your live stream at 3 o'clock doesn't mean everyone that's going to view it also starts at 3 o'clock and listens to your introduction of your live stream. Some people come at 5 past, some people come at 10 past, some might come half an hour later. If you're not constantly reminding someone as soon as they land on that con- content what it is that you're talking about and what it is that you're doing, they'll move on. Because you've got to imagine as well the speed at which they're moving through these pieces of content or live streams is rapid. You've got a few seconds at best to explain exactly what's going on in that live stream. The other one, because of because of how rapid people are moving through these pieces of content, you've got to be not only reminding people what's going on in the in the graphics, you've got to be reminding them through the speech and the way that you're talking to your audience what's going on right now. You've got to be constantly engaging them. You've also got to be reminding them all the time about what is coming up next. Give them something to look forward to. Give them a reason to stick around. That might change depending on the platform that you operate on. I know, like I said before, Amazon are are making big strides in what they want to achieve from a live commerce perspective. And obviously the way that you surf, the way that you browse content on Amazon will be very different to how you browse content on TikTok. But um, in TikTok specifically, make sure you're getting your point across immediately. Make sure you're doing everything you can to retain attention. So... That is everything from me and Alex for this week and where we see the current market for live commerce. 
you know, we've talked to as well about where China's at and why there is a big difference between where they're at and where we're at. We've also discussed where we place our bets in relation to live commerce, be it through creators, through, from a brand perspective, and also some uh, some things that we do if we were creating a live stream tomorrow to make sure you're getting the most out of it. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, this was part two of the live streams episode. If you want to understand what we've done over the past, you know, five to six years in live streams across other platforms, listen to part one. Uh, but that is everything for this week. We'll see you in next week's episode. Thank you for listening. <laughs>